0: All bullshit. It's all bullshit. So, for this episode, we were we were going to talk Aristotle's Poetics. Yes, big this, d- big daddy Aristotelian. This is a this is a topic you've been hungry for for a long time. I, I have mostly because it's I, I really like it, uh-huh. I, I, just because I mean I, I couldn't tell you why really honestly, but I think just from growing up, I had a fascination with Greek mythology and storytelling. Yeah, especially I think it comes from. Do you remember the Crayola kids? The Crayola kids. Like, Were They like a I gang. Think that's... They like like <laughs> yes, the, t- the tough. There the was tough electric neck? lime. It was like a, It was like an art kids scintillating club. Scintillating sepia senya shinosa, and, <laughs> <laughs> and turquoise Tom. Turquoise Tom was the tough guy, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah. Purple Pete or Purple Penelope or Purple what? Pete got his own milkshake at McDonald's. Yeah, I right? think he did. I think he did. There's a challenge going around. I don't know for yeah. Purple Pete. Goldenrod Gregory. They're all alliterations, I think. Yeah. Or Goldenrod Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> uh, yes. All your favorite Crayola colored crayons. I think it was Crayola Kids, though. I want to say. Yeah, it was, but I remember it was a VHS back when you still had to have a VHS and a VHS player. Yeah, and a rewinder. Oh yeah, I remember the rewinder devices. Those things were sick. Oh man, I can't. So you could rewind your tape while you were watching another tape, and and if you rented it, so you could avoid the late fee Mm -hmm. from Blockbuster or your regular down the street store. Always makes me think of Superstar when she's the rewind girl. She's sitting there with the rewind device. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But yes, it was it was Crayola Kids. Crayola Kids is different than the Stinky Mark is the one that that smelled like an ass. Which ones are these? So the ones that the, the oh, smelly yes, markers, the markers. Yes, you pull the tops off, and it smell like grape or orange. Yes, and then, yes, yes. And then the blackberry ones I forgot smelled like those. somebody never pulled had it out. Those. Of a, I remember them though, but yes, they did smell. I don't think Crayola had those, at least not in the beginning. No, yeah, I'm sure maybe they had them at some point just to compete, but I the stinky I don't markers don't didn't last, last long. Thinking, I don't remember who, but yes, I do remember. I want to say second or third grade, somewhere in that era. Yeah, I don't. Know, I've lost a. I've lost a lot of memories. It's, an, it's a deep, deep <laughs> in the reservoir. D- 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 deep deep, yeah deep deep down i'm sure i came across this but no i was not a fan i was not a huge fan of the smelly markers because i was like well it's not what i want to do with a mark it also looked real weird yeah but i do remember them yes but crayola kids think and they had their own little production of troy Ooh, and it taught me a little bit more for kids yeah but it gave the mythology of that whole story. Yeah, you know, of Achilles, Agamemnon, Hector, Helen, Paris, the whole, the whole, all the characters. Helen was a babe, yeah. I, so they say. I would definitely be worth looking into. At one yeah. point, we do a whole thing. Okay. On, yeah. but that guy. I think that's one of the things that got me into. Greek mythology, and just all the storytelling behind that. There's a lot of interesting roots there. Yeah. A lot of lot to be learned from the very simple basics. Yeah, and I think a lot of our modern-day stories come from not just the Greek stories, but any of the mythologies you look at from ancient times, like especially the themes and the what I like to call like the spine of the story, like yeah. the, the nuts and bolts of it. A lot of things we have today could be attributed to or compared to that while we sit here eating yes, subs. Basically. Yeah, filled with bacon and cheese. <laughs> So yes, I would watch that a lot. Don't know why, Hey, but I loved it. And like a lot of those things, maybe from also from Indiana Jones to mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, the video game. There was a lot of like classic, even in like the extended materials, the the books for the, yeah. the young Indiana Jones series. There was a lot yes. of tapping into that. There stuff. was a lot of like, I guess when we were young, growing up, there was a lot, not to say it still isn't going on, but back in the. Before the internet was the internet, what it is today, there was just a lot of that adventure, classical history thing going on. Yeah. Maybe it kind of mixed with the dinosaurs too, Jurassic Park, because you have this idea of just going, looking into the past and trying to discover it. Yeah. And so that's where my affinity or just passion for that kind of comes from. And when I learned about Aristotle's poetics... Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, what's what's this about? Yeah, well, I'd always heard of Aristotle, but I think the biggest thing he's known for is the philosophy yeah. and his contribution to it. He was a student of Plato, who Plato was a student of Socrates. And Aristotle, funny enough, interestingly enough, was the teacher... To Alexander the Great, yeah, like, uh, his Alexander's father Philip asked Aristotle to come and instruct his son. Mm-hmm. So that's that was a huge thing, and the history of like what he did. Now, that's not to say he was a perfect person. Very different time. Sure, he did a lot of things that, if, <laughs> if you looked at it today, you'd be like, "Well, this guy's pre cancel culture." Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying like completely emulate everything he did, but one of his biggest things in terms of literature. And like narrative theory was his works, his poetics. And it's effectively a theory that sort of defines effective storytelling and the essential like elements. He was, he was interested in, because remember we're, we're talking, let me get, let me get the date right. You get the year. Fact check it. Yes. Let me make sure I get, yeah, we're talking. Okay. We're talking, he was born around 384 BC, died around 322 BC. So we're talking 23, 2400 yeah. years ago. So and a bit, a bit of a wind back on the clock. yes <laughs> but you got to you got to think that the modern day things we take I guess I'd, I know I do take for granted in terms of just storytelling and how like there's so much out there and you can just like you can easily access like okay American made movies shows you can access from Europe yeah. you can access things from Japan from China from South America India all these different places that you can have access to different forms of storytelling yeah back then would have been a little bit harder to come by we're not as readily available it's certainly not at the click of a button you didn't have it holding in the palm of your hand like we do now with which our is phones. yeah it's crazy Which i think would have astounded maybe people then it, they almost i feel like it would almost look burned like at the magic. stake as a heretic or something well that's funny enough that's with socrates one of the earlier ones who's considered like the socrates. foundation. I, I believe it's socrates, socrates. I, yes i'm probably <laughs> pronouncing it wrong now i was going uh, for the bill and ted so- socrates socrates <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> The yeah, but the he was famously put to death for corrupting the youth of Athens. Yeah, and he supposedly famously takes hemlock to poison himself. Even though he tried to argue out of the death penalty, they ended up giving it to him. Mm. supposedly. but yes, with Aristotle, he was interested in okay, what makes what makes something story wise objectively good, or what what gives that that emotional power to it, that catharsis. Yeah. Where you know And, and you hear catharsis a lot. That mm-hmm. one's brought up a lot, I, I feel. And it's it's literally just saying this emotional purge yeah. for any type. When you have when you have a movie that you really love, whether it's whether you like it and it's like world famous and critically acclaimed, even if it's not, whether it is or it isn't, if you have that cathartic moment where you have an emotional reaction to yeah. that. Because technically all you're doing, what you're watching, reading is an illusion. It's not technically real barring like you know biographies and stuff yeah when you have that emotional reaction that's what any writer or storyteller is going for be it sad happy funny a mix of anything in between Mm -hmm. that's that's the key and aristotle looking at the plays in athens specifically like the tragedies and, and the comedies he was trying to get at Okay, what makes this good, or why does this work? He was also yeah. basically trying to apply a science to it. I mean, he did a lot of that too. He did a lot like philosophy, science, engineering. Again, the stuff that I can just look up today and look at my phone. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't always there for people back then. Yeah, and it would have been more. You had to kind of learn as you went. Like there wasn't as much to fall back on or look look to for reference. Yeah. at least I wouldn't think so. So he was studying. Okay, what are the ingredients that? What is the with, juice? Yes, exactly. What makes this story work? Or why is the audience having that reaction and not the other? So some of the main ones that he broke down was you got plot or action, character, there's six total, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Six total. Plot or action, character, theme or thought, Okay. he called. You have rhythm or music, you have dialogue or diction, and then you finally have spectacle. Those are the six that he kind of broke it up and said, okay, this is how it works. I find it interesting how like those... T- there's like connection to those terms and you can see how kind of like the breakdowns of certain things have evolved over such the long period of time between. No, absolutely. And when I was first learning this, I was like, oh, okay. I I found it interesting just because it's kind of humbling to think that someone from over 2,000 years ago, what they were picking up on is still relevant today and still resonates. Yeah. Even though the time, what they were going through and the cultures and the technology that we have today compared to them is vastly different and our world is vastly different. I would argue even more interconnected and complex oh, than he yeah. was back then. Those things still are relevant. Yeah. These things that he discovered. I don't want to say invented because they it's always there. It's like, did did you invent like fire? Like, no, you didn't invent you discovered, discovered it. Discovered it, yeah. Yeah. So it was always there whether we found it or not. So yeah, it goes plot, character, thought, diction, rhythm or style, you can sometimes yeah. hear. And then spectacle. Mm. And those are like the six that he would argue is playing with those. These are the elements that are going to go into a store to help get the reaction that you the author the storyteller want from your audience. Let's go through them one by one. Yeah, let me let me take my bite. Yeah, have the have the I'm going to take a sip. Um no, a sip. Oh, since since we're into the food, what did you get on your sang- sandwich? I got a chipotle cheesesteak. Oh, I think spicy boy. Mhm. It's not it, it's good, I got to say it. Yeah, they do not disappoint. Mm-mm. So yeah, first first one or what he considered the most important one mm-hmm. was plot or structure. And this is kind of where the two, I, sh- I should say, let me backtrack, and I should say the two most important that mm-hmm. he considered were plot structure or characterization and characters. Those he thought were definitely the two. <laughs> this is a, this is an audio. I'm sorry, this is a professional atmosphere. <laughs> this right is no, there are no visuals <laughs> happening here. We're not recording ourselves. Han made a gesture and I made fun of him. Yeah. huh <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, those were the two main ones that he thought. And what's the, interesting. The two main ones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I will leave this podcast right now. (laughs) I will walk out that damn door. (laughs) I will walk out out that damn door. (laughs) So what I always found interesting when I was at school, there was always one of the topics I brought up was what is more important Mm -hmm. in a story? Or what do we think? Where do we like to start? Yeah. And is it plot or character? Those seem to be the two lead horses always. So for me... I've definitely noticed I'm more of a plot guy, or at least that seems to be the how I think originally. Yeah, I uh, I started to notice that, especially when we discussed Raiders. It was yeah. it became more and more just the way you we, you spoke about it, and it, it became apparent to me that you're more driven in that arena. And he and Aristotle thought that plot or structure was the number one, or what he called act. Yeah, his argument was that humans are action. That yes, is, it is the action of our characters. It's not to tell us who we are. It's not who I am underneath. <laughs> It's what I do that defines me. Oh, my God. We <laughs> got more of this alcohol? Dude, I got alcohol for days. So he argued that a plot should be structured logically and should have a beginning, a middle. Oh, I'm hitting the mic. Have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I talk with my hands. I do it all the time. And that using Why that structure. Gesturing with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> using that structure. <laughs> can help build a more emotionally satisfying story. You know It's it's a question of almost the classic, I've sure ever seen it, the the classic you, I think we all learn it in like English class mm-hmm. the 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 triangle the yes like thing where it's the rise and action, action climax denouement it just comes down I don't know they still teach that today like I'm assuming I they think do. so yeah I mean uh, I remember it from but yeah just it just, it school, just but... it's just like it just looks like a half triangle essentially. yeah you go up you have your climax and you have the red down pretty much and he's saying that that structuring that like that from beginning to the end and allowing your characters to develop will get the most out of your story for your audience and then that that's where character comes in. You Obviously, you need both. Mm-hmm. And what I've always liked when I learned about these, the poetics, is they are interchangeable to what, at least from a modern standpoint, Yeah, they are interchangeable to what you want your story to be about. So it's kind of like if you look at something, say, like some of the Marvel films, yeah. for example, I would make the argument they're more plot-driven. I agree with that, yeah. Because they tend to have a, a very act one, act two, midpoint, act three, climax, resolution, structure. To things that then when you say something's more like character driven, that's where it starts to go a little bit more different in how the structure happens or more focused on the person. Like you could have things that aren't really like paying off in yeah. the way. It's almost kind of like from our Chekhov's gun thing. Yeah, It's kind of kind of ignoring that principle a little bit yeah. and going more with what the character's thinking or what they're doing rather than having the plot dictate yeah. what's going to happen Next. And that that can be a little bit trickier to work with. But if you can nail it, it so seems like it would be a little truer to life. Yes. Yeah, it... And that's that's kind of the big thing. At least I always have when I'm trying to write something. Is what's if you look at it as just a laundry list, one to six. Yeah. I would say like if we're taking like I'll just take I'll just take a Endgame. Yeah. For example, I'm trying to think of one of the bigger ten pole movies that have come out. Recently. One something that everybody's seen. Yeah, can yeah. relate to. I would say this isn't doesn't make it true, but this is just my take on it. I would say you got plot mm-hmm. spectacle, which referring to spectacle, we're talking about the basically the spe- literally the special effects or the lighting or CGI, how much how much popcorn element yeah. is going into the story. Like for example, like Endgames spectacle is probably much more than like super bads. Yes. Spectacle. Not to say that super bad style is all about just like, it's, it's that seventies flared. And I think it really does. That just boils down to that joke that what's his name. Seth borrows the dad's clothes. I think it's like where that theme is generated from. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 it's the whole thing boils down to one stupid joke, which Mm -hmm. I I think that's great. (laughs) And that, and that's like, but just looking at those two movies, you can see that, okay, the special effects, if I just like to think of it in that way, is going to be a lot more heavier on, something like end game or like a historical effort. Epit- Epic like Gladiator, yeah. The new Napoleon movie, yeah, for Ridley Scott, like that's kind of oh, happen. not Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, not. No- <laughs> <laughs> Are they making a new one? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tina eat the food. <laughs> but yes, so I would say you have plot for we're doing Endgame plot. Mm-hmm. I would argue spectacle comes next, then character, and then I would say you probably have diction, the dialogue, rhythm, style, and then finally I would say well may- maybe thought theme that might be a little bit higher in Endgame. Yeah. There might be more. Of a theme going on. That one I think can be debated. In that one, yeah, the, this can all be debated. It's all in what. There's no right or wrong. There's way. There's no rules. Yeah, there, there are no rules. You could do anything you want. There is no right or wrong way, though, really, to look at this. Yes, it's just trying to tell yourself, okay. And this is something that happens usually after the fact. Even Aristotle, when he was coming up with the, he was watching the plays an and then doing it. It's mm-hmm. not like this was. Happening as the plays were being written, practiced, and rehearsed, mostly was, in research and yeah. breaking it down. After. And that's that's a lot when it comes. That's kind of the weird thing is like it's almost like trying to reverse engineer a cake after yes. it's been baked. Yes, with when it comes to storytelling, I always storytelling. I I love relating films and storytelling to cooking. Yeah it's it just has so many applicable yeah. metaphors yeah and cuz it's it's one of those things where like there is a science to it you got to have you need so many teaspoons of this so many cups of that yeah but there is also an art to it like yeah i, I know that just for example i love baking have you ever had irish soda bread before oh my my grandmother and i used to bake it Every usually every St. Patrick's Day, she was Irish. Yeah, and we it's like, would a always, sweet, like a sweet like a It or? can be. There's yeah. a couple different versions of it. It can be a sweet bread, but it doesn't. From what I understand, the original version is not. It's more like a. It's more like a dinner bread, and it's yeah. real easy. It is just simply flour, baking soda, baking powder, salt, and butter. Okay. That's it. Throw it all in. You get the measurements right. Throw it all in the oven. Bake it. It's done in like half an hour. And it was basically just a day bread. It's something that yeah. they used to cook the day of because it goes bad quickly. Yeah, but so you got to eat. back. But back in the day, that was what, that was yeah, basically that was normal your food. Right. Yeah. And I think they would cook it in a skillet Ooh. or like a type of kettle rather yeah. than an, an oven, which we would today. But I always used to bake that. Interesting. Uh, with my grandmother and i can get all of the i'm using her recipe that yeah. she gave but i still can't get it exactly how no, i remember yeah. when she cooked it so that's where that whole art process i think comes in there is a little bit of oh did you, i you're I, missing I mean, the love yeah you all, right. Love. all right all right <laughs> get another guest host <laughs> That's it. I'm. Uh, but yes, these elements are anytime. Anytime you're adding structure to the story, there's. Okay, what was I talking about? That we're talking about Aristotle. <laughs> just joking. Um, oh no. The yeah. So we we're talking about a uh, lot of these endgame. structures and these guidelines that people come up with are done after the fact. Yeah. So you don't have to take these as hard and fast rules. They're just. I don't know why theories. or how, but the way you were just talking, you reminded me of that speech in Daredevil where Murdoch is talking about these questions the show or the movie the show and it's he's talking he's that's it, like his big moment i think it's in the first season he's talking that he's he's got his big moment these questions i haven't, I haven't seen he's that. like he's like trying to get a very very guilty dude yeah he's playing the hardcore defense lawyer uh-huh. or whatever the, but yeah i just remind <laughs> me neither here nor there i'll take it as a compliment <laughs> this is quickly turning into a very marvel episode no so but okay indiana jones is definitely i'd say more plot yeah and then i would put i would put thought would be second for indiana jones because i feel like interesting the theme, yeah no. it goes back to what i said in raiders that indies know better than the nazis in the beginning or belloc mm-hmm. at least or belloc at least yes yes i would yes that's a good point yes i don't feel like indy would arbitrarily shoot people for no yeah yeah he has more nazis yeah he has guys. a little bit more of a standard like belloc does but he's still he's close to that yeah that ed. And that's where i think quote unquote selling out yes and that's where i think what makes raiders more i think the more critically one is because that that thought, the theme, comes second. I feel yeah. like it's plot, theme, helps you dictate what makes that movie good. So let's take 2001. What would you say? Well, before we even, let me sidetrack. I would say that. I'm going all over the place here. Hold that thought. Let mm. me just okay, go down fair. what each one is yeah. real quick so we all, we're all we all on the same page here. We're not scatterbrained. Yeah. Like I am, right? <laughs> it's the sandwich. It's the, it's the sandwich. Sand. It's the carbs. It's the booze and the, the sandwich. <laughs> shit the carbs. Shit it's the hard seltzer anyway don't (laughs) cut that out please nope (laughs) cut that out Immortalize cut that that. anyway so yes let me because i i apologize i didn't even go through just to set up what these are so you got plot structure we've gone through that that is the a to b it's all that cheese i know (laughs) (laughs) okay so yes, plot structure, I think we all got that. That's the A yes. to B, the act structure. Is it a one act, two act, three act, four climax, midpoint reversal, all the all the things you can hear. Character, character characterization, developing the characters so they feel, oh, excuse me, lifelike have emotions, conflicts. I had mentioned that the human heart and conflict is with, with itself. Yes. is always key because we want our characters to feel believable, especially the main one. Yeah. Some characters can be just scene dressings. That's sort of the sort of the lowest level you can get. They're just doesn't necessarily make them not a real person. It just means that in the particular story that they're in, they come in for one thing and then they're out. The classic example is like a taxi cab driver or someone gets in a cab or yeah. I guess in the modern world, it would be more of like an Uber driver or a Lyft. Someone gets in. DoorDash. They have something with that. They have a they have maybe a rapport a quick small talk with the main character or some of the main characters and they're out and that's it. In the case of something like Collateral. I know, love Jenny Collateral. Thought, yeah, very I good. I love movie. that movie. That, as I would say that as plotty as that does get, and it does have a good structure to it. Yeah. I would say that that one character driven. I would say so too. And I think that owes to both Jamie Foxx's performance. Also Tom, Cruise's, Tom Cruise's physical transformation yes. on that is, yes. is notable. I, I still. Very Michael yeah. Mann movie. I think that's the most Michael Mann, Michael Mann movie. Yeah. No, that is that is definitely, definitely one. If no one's ever watched that, definitely go do that. Because I think that one is a good balance of I would put character just above the plot yeah. in that one. Because it, it all comes down to it feels, or at least the way it feels to me when I remember watching. Yeah, it feels like anything can happen. It's all based on Jamie Foxx's character, his decisions. That are damn happen. now I got to rewatch this. Yeah, That is, that is definitely I'm a so do to watch. It. I think that's one that is a hidden gem that kind of goes I think under the radar. Yeah. more than it should. So yeah, characterization. That do was his second one. I know it's very off topic, but the way yeah, they yeah. lit that movie is by oh, far yeah. the well, most incredible thing. That one was shot too. Was that one of the first ones that had that digital look to it? You know well, what they, I'm talking about? They, sh- If I'm not, I'm going to factor this. A video kind of look. They I, shot They shot on DV and it was before that was DV, a common thing. Okay, yes. And it was, they They were the first movie ever to use those flat LED panels and they taped <sighs> them to the ceiling of the cab. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So freaking cool. Okay. They'd, and it was so early on for that kind of stuff. It was, they were very way ahead of the game. No, Just definitely, cool definitely worth checking out. So the next one, that <coughs> he thought for Aristotle was dic- diction or style. You're calling about- diction. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about dialogue and. This is literally what it is, just the dialogue and the words the characters say with the narrator. And he thought it should be straightforward and simple so as not to confuse the audience. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, too, this is working at a time before electricity. And when the only thing that play a performer could... Rely on was their voice mm-hmm. and the way that the amphitheater was designed to sort of enhance. Yeah. So it made it a little bit more difficult to go into more subtle things you see movies today, the really more intimate, quiet, you can get that I think you can get in a in cinema that. Other art forms might not be able. Yeah. Video games, though, too, or television as well. But It's, I don't want to say rarer, but its it seems to be, I guess, I guess rarer is what I mean. Um, <laughs> 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 How do you take it? Medium rare. Medium rare. Now, yeah, I think with video games, it is a rarer occurrence that you see oh, that hard storytelling edge. Like, I think whenever i think of video games like that i think of bioshock i think of bioshock yeah last of us i think of death stranding that those kinds of things that are very drama driven very mm-hmm. uh, but i think it. Uh, how dare you um, i'm I, sorry um, i think it's I, I think it is a little bit i didn't want to say it but i think it is a little rarer in video games it's becoming more common yeah but up until this point it's been yeah, it's dialogue been, and so like a dialogue example heavy would be something like shakespeare like yes you really and plays too you're really there to hear poetry the lyricism mm-hmm. of people enunciating the words like you, you one know. of our recent episodes, we were talking about play adaptations, and I, I love yeah. the dialogue of play mm-hmm. adaptations so much. It's they just they flow yes. like yeah, and even even some novels. I'll I'll say it again as it is my favorite of all time, Lord of the Rings. Of oh, the, the the, the <laughs> yeah. prose in it and the dialogue too, it, it has that that poetry flow. Just the it. the amount you of could time argue, alone you could argue, yeah, in. and you could argue that could it be told in the same way in a more plain language? Absolutely, probably. Absolutely, would it be as engrossing? No. Maybe not. Yeah, probably not. So that. That's where dialogue comes in. And then the next one he talked about was rhythm. Mm -hmm. And this one's kind of interesting because for him it was a song. Yeah. And it was, this is kind of the hardest one I've always had to define. But I think it's sort of, if I use perhaps movies as an example, it's more of the edit or the pacing of a scene behind it or that frenetic energy you get. You ever know like like when there's a chase scene, be it in whatever medium you want, you can feel that that urgency building up. Based on how the scene could be edited, horror does this a lot. Mm. Whether it's a slow, well, you get the, the the jump scares a lot in horror. So for for rhythm, it's almost the auditory form of spectacle. And I, I think for cinema, you can be looking at the soundtrack. Mm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've caught myself humming songs to "I Love It So Much, I Cry." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when we're talking about rhythm, rhythms, like I said, the hardest one I think still because it was almost something that he came up with and then tried to explore later on, but didn't really go too far. Yeah. I've heard it be called Song as well. Okay, that's interesting. That gives it a bit of a different depth. Yeah, it's it's almost... I look at it as the pacing of the st- yeah how how fast how slow do you go how the beats are hitting yeah the the sort of more intangible thing of it's almost one of those things where I have to point to it be it in film a mm-hmm. play uh, an example I would think of okay when we talk about rhythm have you ever seen Les Mis on the stage oh yeah oh. so the barricade scene mm-hmm. when the battle is starting i forget the character forgive me for forgetting the character but he's holding up the flag as the smoke is Kind of rising up on the stage, he's waving the flag. And he gets shot because he kind of disappears, and you kind of see him crumple. Yeah, and he's gone. He's he's up now. He's disappeared behind the other side of the barricade. They end up losing boilers, and then the t- the stage rotates, and then you finally see him kind of sprawled out, deceased. And there is there is that sense of rhythm because of the way everything's just happening all at once, mm-hmm. and you have the gunfire all these noises, all the people, the chaos of being in a battle. Yeah. And then when it's all said and done, I remember the stage when I saw it for the first time, rotating so slowly. You gotta respect intense stage work like that, because there's so much thought and work put into it. At the time, I didn't think of it. I was just so engrossed, but now I think about it. Because they could have, not that they could have turned it around 60 miles an hour, Yeah, but they could have turned it faster. Yeah. But I think that very methodical slow turn is a sense of rhythm yeah. to the story. And it's a much more intangible thing. It's it's harder for me to point out. But that's one thing that sticks in my mm. mind when it comes. And that leads into the next one, spectacle. Definitely a lot of spectacle going on in something like Les Mis <laughs> on, on Broadway. Fan with the opera. Yeah. You know, I, I love Phantom of the Opera so much. Yeah, tons of spectacle. I yeah. mean, just the music alone and the sets, the lighting, Yeah, the special effects on the... Spectacle originated in the theater, yeah. so that a lot of the storytelling we do. But that would have been the sole main place you were going to get that eye-catch, what we call now popcorn entertainment, yeah. eye-candy stuff to, whoa, mm-hmm. like, wow you. Now, with computers and film, you get the same thing. But even to a grander scale, you just... The only difference is you don't get that live, in-person interaction with a movie. There is a bit of intangibility with <laughs> yeah. the, the computer graphics effects. and I think that something is lost from forced practicality that was mm-hmm. the olden days, but you can do the impossible, but I think something's lost. So yeah, spectacle is the production design, yeah. how much How much the background is going to become a character. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to have it be kind of more subdued, not too much, or is it really going to go full out here? For example, if I think of, if I were to make a more modern, gothic horror story. I'm thinking yeah. of Crimson Peak. Crimson. I love Crimson Peak. A, a lot of race. spectacle. Yeah, in that Guillermo. Then, Guillermo's big for his spectacle. Yeah, yes, I'd say he. There's a lot of spectacle. Yeah. In it. His. Oh, it was was the one he just did recently? <laughs> one second. Bear with. <laughs> no, no. I still gotta watch. Should definitely watch it. Nightmare Alley is a very, very good movie. I gotta watch that. Yeah. But I would say that one's very. It uses spectacle in such a subverted, interesting because yeah. it's all it's all about carnies and mm. way back in the day when carnivals were the big form of entertainment. Yeah. And it's it. it Comparatively to modern entertainment, it seems so downplayed. But it's like that was everything. Yeah, that was entertainment for everyone, and that's and that's a big part. And again, Aristotle was looking at okay for him, it would have been the sets, the wardrobe at the time. Yeah, how does that influence? It? And it does. It absolutely does. Yeah, I'd say so. The action movie Mission Impossible mm-hmm. or classic Die Hard films. There is a sense that there's a lot of spectacle, violence, or at least Die Hard it. But Mission Impossible, I'd say, I'd say there's a fair but amount. But that's of violence. that's what you come to expect. When you go to yeah. that, maybe not maybe the first one when it when they first came out, but that's when they were making, I would be shocked if this idea of, okay, we're making an action. Yeah. We got to have some action. And I would say plot takes a little bit lower seat down. Not, uh, not, tier. not invaluable, but it's, yeah. it's lower on the wrong. But it, yeah. And what you're dealing yeah. with. Yeah. And then the final one thought. He called was theme. What is the underlying sort of message? What is the moral that's coming out of yeah. these stories? That's sort of the unwritten thing. And that's the trickiest one, I think, to work with, or rather, one of the most dangerous ones as a writer or storyteller. Because if you don't, if you It's very rough to put that as number one on any list. I've never done it only because I just don't think I'm not nearly good enough to do it. Because if you do it wrong, you can come off very ideological, very preachy. You hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. And it could be you're shoving uh, a directive down your audience's throat. And that that can be dangerous. Sometimes people might resent you for it. it. That's a tricky one. But... Thought, to me, is always something that's there. It's it's important. You just got to know where it goes. And I think it's better to have that, at least in the beginning stages of a story, have it come out organically. Don't try to force it in. Rather, make your story figure out what the ending is, look at it after you've kind of gotten the first draft done and say, oh, here's the journey that the character went on. I didn't really realize yeah. and there is a theme that I, that was just there from the beginning and I didn't realize it now, but now that I've discovered it, now that I've unveiled it to myself, that's always the thing too with a first draft of any story. You're telling the story to yourself right yes. now. Yes. You don't even before know. You, before you share it with anyone, yeah. before you've had you're, any kind of You're critique. telling it to yourself for the first time yeah. and you might, you might have missed some parts and that's okay. You can, unlike math, there isn't a correct answer. You no. Go back and yeah. you can fix it easily. Maybe not easily, but you, can go, you back. can go back and fix it. So yeah, those are the six. Plot, the, the A to B, the points, the nuts and bolts of it, the spine of the story, characterization, how you develop them, making them lifelike, three-dimensional, their emotions, their journeys that they go on, their arcs. Spectacle, the effects, the wardrobe, the production design. Diction, the dialogue, what the characters speak, how they speak it. Rhythm or song, that sort of indescribable pacing of the story, and then thought or theme, that underlying message that goes into it. So those are the six that he was trying to come up with, and I look at them as very the f- foundational elements when you're looking at any story and you want to decide. It's not like I always start with this, but I think they're really cool tools to look at and be like, okay, I want to do, let's say I want to do a fantasy story. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sometimes where I start too is like- it is gives there, you gives you a bit of a roadmap. And sp- yes, it gives you a little bit more of a navigate. roadmap to work with. It's, it's It's a tool that you can pull out of the toolbox. You might not need it, for this particular project, but you might. You're never, you're not sure. Yeah. And you say, okay, I'm going to do a fantasy story. Okay. So already, if I know I'm doing a fantasy story, right away, people are going to uh, be expecting spectacle to be higher. Yeah. And probably plot. Those might be my two big, usually, we'll characters might come third, then maybe... Maybe thought dialogue and probably rhythm is usually always kind of down there, yeah, at the bottom. And that's something you want to look at is okay. Do I want to do I want to try and go somewhere different? Do I want to do a more character-driven fantasy story? To when you do that, it's like okay, you got to understand, you got to make a conscious effort, knowing that if I'm going to do this and make it more character-driven, really lower the spec. Am I going to alienate some of my audiences, or am I going to get or people going to be mad at me because they see fantasy and they think oh, there's going to be all this great epic to it but it's really a much smaller story and I, th- I think no matter what choices you make you're alienating somebody yeah there and, always is and that. i think like, it's i think it's worth reassuring to no, yourself that point. that's yeah. that's just the reality of yeah it. no absolutely true even just me saying i'm going to do a fantasy i feel yeah, there some people there's something there's already just, you're checking people you are you are and that is that is inevitable there's always going to be some, and you just can't help that yeah and but, y- i i think that you can't think that way you yeah. have you gotta you go you'll with just what, what you feel up. that and and i always say my of my big litmus tests when i'm trying to write is if I'm getting bored with the story or I'm not into most likely. I'm not just, I'm not going to have the ability to finish. It's I think it's, no it's matter what writer you are, you have to make stories for yourself. Yes. In the beginning. Yeah. You I have to make so stuff too. you want to see on this, on the screen or on the page. Cause if not, it'll just, it'll show in the work and it'll make it so much more difficult to get across that finish line. Yeah. But So there was my long tangent of breaking down what those were. Back to my original thing. So 2001, what would you, how would you rank if you were to take those six? I would definitely put Spectacle first. You put Spectacle first. I think that that movie is entirely about Spectacle. Okay. I would actually say that Plot is one of the lower ones. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Personally. that Yeah, no. Because I think that that falls in with that mundanity where it's, 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 yes, it is there, but it is not as prevalent or important. Yeah, it's not as important. You're not too concerned so much about, all right, are we- meant to be very oh this is just monday yeah like this is just yeah, the yeah, next yeah. thing yeah but i i yeah i, I would say spectacle was the most important aspect okay would you put then would you go character would you go thought or theme Zach, what i would say theme yeah next and then maybe character after character because character character has some importance on it but i i think it's it, there's it's all about atmosphere the subtextual meaning it's not even necessarily mm-hmm. on the nose meaning of what's because it's meant to be very up to interpretation yeah. but yeah i, I don't know that's a tough one to rank? No, it's it's tough. And again, there's no right or wrong answer. I'd be interested to see how other people would. Yeah. You know, for me, I would actually put rhythm. Oh, yeah. Pretty high, maybe second or third. I could see that. Yeah. Just because of how that the one the the monolith soundtrack, if you want the that 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 it's, chorus, like, that haunting hum that comes with it. The, I would uh, say a lot uh, of Kubrick's uh, pieces. Uh, you know, I would say a lot of Kubrick's pieces tend to be very cadence based. Yeah. And there's there is a, it's almost it is sort of cutting or telling the story. You know. On a A very specific beat. Yeah. And the sound, like the sound in that incredible mm-hmm. and it is one of those that even though the ending you I, I still i'm always like what 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 just happened yeah no, yeah it leaves you in not oh not necessarily a funk but introspection yeah so i'm trying to think of so if we did some examples plot a lot of superhero movies i think are plot or spectre. yeah indiana jones jurassic park say plot things that we've talked or more character driven i'm trying to think of like, like a good f- example f- for that 100 that's a character let <laughs> me have a presscape. nothing's coming <laughs> yeah no, oh, like hardcore character piece i would i would say wes anderson stuff is very yeah. character based I would say, I would say Royal Tenenbaums, definitely characters. There's (laughs) one that's, I'm trying to think of. There's, I know there's a shining example of character. I can't, let me, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cheat. Give it, give it the old juggle machine. cheat and look it up. Great Gatsby. I knew I was trying to think, what, what is, (laughs) I would say yes, a lot of novels tend to be character driven. Yeah. And that's, that's why, I think that's why I was having trouble there because I was thinking film and I'm like, that's one of the reasons that it can be hard to make a more character-driven film because you're you're sort of denied that ability to go directly into the character's head. It does in uh, *Great Gatsby*, but what's interesting about that is it's also to, told through Nick Carraway's yeah. perspective. So we're always kind of there's that distance between us and Gatsby, the main character, the yeah. protagonist. it's it's all there's a there's a degree of separation yeah. to a lot and of which is, story. which I think is very key to that story because I feel like if you were in Gatsby's head, it might not be as good. I um, agree. It it adds that mystique. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Another one, I would say almost any Hemingway novel is very character driven. Sun Also Rises, Old Man in the Sea, A Farewell to Arms. Farewell to Arms is definitely a book that I think has no structure whatsoever, at least in my opinion, where I remember, I haven't read it in a while. It's just kind of him going through the war, getting hurt, meeting someone, falling in love. So there, I guess there is a bit of a, bit of a structure there, but not, not too much. Yeah. It feels very just things are happening we're just kind of going forward we don't really know where it's going and of course the ending i won't spoil it in case anyone ever wants to read it is kind of the point that hits you and you're like what what the heck what the heck was this for yeah you know? who who was this for yeah and i think but it all is based on the main character's experience and during world war one and everything that went through. yeah so that, I, i'd say a lot of the novels are good character pieces catcher in the rye that's another character yeah. driven piece the, and novels can get away with novels not, have that de- that advantage of yeah, perspective. because they can go into the character's mind yeah so much more easily than a play or a movie can movies can certainly much more so it. than a movie what's the one oh Im- imitation right the What's the one where they find the, the, the back door to John Malkovich's Oh, being John Malkovich. Being yeah. John oh my God, imitation yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's Imitation, right? the That's hell? supposed to be Fire honest, me, right? Brian, fire me. Yeah, you're fired. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I'm fired, too. We're going by those standards. I was gone a long time um, Yeah. Another one I read, this is, this is a more recent novel, The Gentleman in Moscow. Or A oh, Gentleman in Moscow, I'm sorry. Definitely another character-driven piece, I think, definitely worth checking out. To Kill a Mockingbird, very famous. I love famous. To Kill a Mockingbird. Very, very famous. One of Gregory Peck's, one of his best yes, performances. Both both the movie and the book. I'd say the book even more so, character driven. Yeah. So definitely worth checking out. We keep going down the list. So we got Dial, trying to think of movies. I, I I mean, I kind of said it earlier. Any like, Tarantino movie. Yes. No, yeah, you are right. Yeah. Tarantino does, I think there is a lot with his, he's, his scenes are almost crafted around the dialogue. I would actually say like his t- his dialogue precedes plot, precedes character. Yeah. Always. I'd, I'd say he is, he's the number one in that category. Yeah. I would I would totally agree. And that was that was one I was trying to think of too. Well, once upon a time in Hollywood, I think yeah. is character driven, but I'm a has but has what? <laughs> I'm a has been, <laughs> I'm a has been. But yeah, that definitely you're right. Yeah, definitely has that that dialogue is is key, yeah. is quality to it. Even in 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 Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, I one of my favorite scenes is when Brad Pitt's up on the roof fixing the thing, I love and it, it cuts to him eventually fighting Bruce Lee. Yeah, and you think it plays it off like, oh, he must have, he must have just gone. Again. You lost him, suicide <laughs> on the, on the set. something. <laughs> he, <laughs> he must have, he must have gone back now to try and get a job. Yeah, but it's just him in his head. Yeah, it's it he's totally having a, he's having and a flashback, and that's like, why his career is on yeah, the rocks. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Uh, his whole so character the, is great yeah but. yeah yeah and that's that's a good definitely a good example for dialogue i say what any tarantino film gonna get a lot of good dialogue and even if even if the dialogue doesn't feel natural sometimes or motivated to the scene you some i've heard people argue that with me it still works because of how it's shot and crafted in the story like yeah it's it's sort of held up by everything else to bolster the dialogue that the characters are saying i mean essentially the opening scene to inglorious Bastards, it's just it's literally a scene that they would tell you in film school not to do yeah it's just two people sitting at a table talking for the majority of it and of course what's what's the, what's the actor's name who plays the ss officer the character is hans Landa. Oh, christoph waltz christoph waltz sorry Thank i couldn't so think of it either yeah yeah i was about to say christopher tolkien i'm like that's not it <laughs> yeah that whole scene it's it's literally a, a dining room a dinner table scene yeah but when you watch it, I mean the intensity is there, and it's the dialogue and the performances by both by all the actors. Don't get me—I mean a good actor. The amount of time that it holds yeah. the audience gaze, and and I would even say that goes right into we're talking about rhythm. There's another example: how how it cuts when it finally reveals the people underneath the floor that he's hiding from the germ from the from the SS officers, you could have you could have done that another way. You could have changed the rhythm, started with them, shown them from the beginning, but he didn't. Yeah. You you are with the officer, you're with Christoph Waltz's character from the beginning, and you're kind of seeing it from his perspective. Yeah. And I think that's, I think the character decision, but I think that is a rhythm thing. In my opinion. No, yeah, I, I would agree. Because yeah. it can change how you perceive the tension of that scene is slowly increasing. And then when there is the reveal, it's increased even more because at that point, you know it's it's over. He knows. Yeah. He knows that he's won and found his unfortunate victim. Also, the, I, I always forget that Leah Saidu was one of the sisters— under there is she yeah under, I did not know that it was one of her one of her earlier roles okay but I, th- I always thought that was cool because like I, I only caught him rewatches and stuff I was like eh, yeah interesting and that's definitely another one And Glorious Bastards is another one that is loose on the structure structure's yeah. there but I would even say Tarantino's structure is not a big thing he, he likes there, he's he, jazzy he yeah, likes to I, flow I, in I and out I think he I think he writes like almost like halfway he'll write to the midpoint and then he'll kind of just see where it takes him after that yeah so that's definitely it's something very non-linear story yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh... out of the middle. <laughs> So what we got, we did we did plot, we did character, we did diction, we did rhythm. We got rhythm. Spectacle. We got soul. <laughs> we got rhythm. Well, I don't know if I got any soul. <laughs> uh, it's been sucked out of me. Yep. Yes. So spectacle. Lord of the Rings definitely is like definitely, a spectacle. Yeah. Like that, that's there. Star Wars. Yeah. Spectacle. What else has come out? That's like, I think, more spectacle driven. I'd say Interstellar. Interstellar, Very yeah. Very spectacle driven. Uh, Titanic just popped Titanic, in Titanic, yeah. Avatar, the Avatar movies. Spectacle's an easy one because you just think, if it's a big blockbuster with a big special effects budget, you got that's, it's that's almost theory. like the grandness, the scope. The bigger the scope, I feel, the more spectacle you're gonna have. Yeah, like War and Peace, for example, as a, as a book, a lot of spectacle. Long book, very long book, worth the read though. I do encourage if you ever get a chance, just read it, even if it's just to say that you read it because mm-hmm. it is very going back to full circle here now, guys, full circle. It, w- I read, so I read that for the first time not too long ago, and I had, then I went back and I said, you know, I want to read the Iliad again. Yeah. In my opinion, they're the same story. They're telling the exact same story. They're, they're touching that thought. So we'll get to the final one, the theme, the thought, mm-hmm. that, that underlying universal quality that i think and i think that might be why thought is maybe the lowest on or at least for even aristotle when he was doing it maybe that was the lowest one because that's where you want to get to the better you get the deeper you go with your narrative literally as you dig down thought's the last one and that's that that universal quality that not just you share with every other human being but like everything in in our universe that that intangible thing that connects us all yeah and i think if you can finally get to that the bedrock that's yeah that's what really gives that catharsis is what he was looking for. And that's why it's always, I think, dangerous to put thought a little bit higher or not dangerous in the sense that you can start to, as I said before, you can come off preaching. Yeah. And I know people don't like to be when they go to a movie or read a book, they don't want to be reading a textbook or someone giving their opinion on how you should live your life or how, yeah. how this should be done. Most times I know when I pick up a story, the first thing I'm thinking of is escapism and entertainment value. And then as we go further into the story, if it's a good story and I like the characters, that underlying universal message or just just humanity that you want to get to will be there, whether you meant to put it in or not. Yeah. I think that's important to always look at when you're doing it. And that, so yeah, War... Uh, what was I saying? What the hell was I saying? I don't know. You were off. You were on a whole thing. I wasn't going to get in the way was, of it. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> what, what happened? I was, I was following I was your lead, say, dude. <laughs> I, was, I was literally <laughs> thinking of the scene in, in Christmas Vacation where he's like in the in the <laughs> buying the bra. And he's like, what? What happened? What? <laughs> no, I was saying full circle. Yeah, full circle comes right back. When I was reading War and Peace, made me like... And, and then I read the Iliad again after it. I thought they're trying to tell the same they're they're touching on that same quality yeah even though it's separated by thousands of years different cultures different times there is an underlying connection there I think and thought is one and, and I'm trying to think of what is I don't know if I can think of one where thought is is number one on that list yeah that's that was what we we're we're going heavy right into theme usually more like art house films might have more theme to it things that are very out there talladega nights yeah <laughs> I was thinking maybe something like, you ever seen Brazil? Yes. I love Brazil. Or even maybe Metropolis, too. Yeah. Yeah. Metropolis, right? The Fritz Lang movie, right? Am I? Am I getting the title right? Why do I feel like... I'm hearing Metropolis. I'm thinking super. Big. That's a... Yeah, that's a more theme. But yeah, that I feel like there's a theme there. And another one. David Some, Lynch. David Lynch. Yeah, anything by David Twin Lynch. Pe- Twin Peak. I think there's a lot of underlying messages going there. So it can be done. I just would never do it just because I know I can't do it. Yeah. I'm just not that talented. I'm, I do not have the talent to pull off something like that. Yeah. But yeah, these six things... And I don't always start with writing this way, but it's just... They're good tools that I'm like, okay, do I care much about theme being higher do I want character to be more a bigger role in this do I want just it to be spectacle we were talking about speed yeah with Keanu Reeves I love speed and oh my god what's her name What's Elmira? Sandra Bullock Sandra Bullock oh my god how dare you I'm, I'm so sorry kidding. I was like I was about I was like I don't know I just said like no I was about to say like Jennifer Bullock I'm like that's not it it's the booze it's the sandwich it's all going to your head I don't know man Anyway. It's mine too. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's one that has more spectacle in it. Again, it's an action. Yeah. So, uh, hey, uh, I, I if don't I don't were me. making like that, I'd be like, okay, I got to up the spectacle in this because that's what that's I want. that's its selling point. That's yeah. where that's what's getting it across. But you were gonna say something. You were saying I don't think uh, I I have nothing. <laughs> but yes, I'd be interested to see how other people. What's where do they like to start? Do they do they like to start plot? It is like it is, is an interesting way to break the, break things down. Rhythm. Because I don't think you can accurately hit all of those points. No, and you can't. You don't have to. And you don't even have to have all of them. And yeah, it's just something that he noticed after the fact. Yeah, this wasn't. I mean, I don't know, but I don't think when they were writing these plays back in the day, and I was too concerned too much about the qualities that he was picking. Yeah, this is all something that he's looking at after the fact. A lot of narrative theories and structures are all coming after the after yeah like i said trying to reverse engineer a cake and you've never seen one it's like what is this how do i how would you know at first if you had no equipment no scientific equipment no cake equipment no cake equipment no way to extract well there's egg in here you don't even know what egg is you've never heard of it before how do you what do you do so that's kind of i'm trying to just paint the picture of the task in his mind yeah okay why is this working and he came up with these six poetics that are foundational in narrative theory and i i like to use it a lot just to especially if I'm starting to go off in my story I don't think is what I originally want. If I want to do like back to like I want to do a fantasy story, I know I'm going to want plot, character and spectacle. It's, like weird, are going to be, it's your skeleton, it's yeah, your it's your through line. Those are going to be my big 3 that I might work with, but then let's say I start going off weird like rhythm tangent and I'm like I'm going to have everything or I'm writing a book, every page, every third page is going to be blank. Yeah, but I don't know why. I that's what I'm saying is okay, maybe I don't maybe that's not what this story. Maybe yeah. that's an interesting idea but maybe that's a different not necessarily story. for that this could be something one. that's creeping into your mind that's another story yeah. trying to creep in and you want to be like "Nah, that's that's not for this so yes definitely worth looking at reading more about and i always think it's fun to to have a, just a debate over if you're watching a movie reading a book just came back from a play just to try and see like okay what do you think is this Another lens to look at it through. It's another way to look at it. Break down if you try and see if you liked something. Yeah. It's a good way to see why you enjoyed a movie or story that you saw read or why you didn't. You could say, well, the plot is confusing. Didn't buy the character. Things that you could look at. Almost like a survey. Or it had no rhythm. had no rhyme. Yeah. the, The cadence was off. Something felt like jumpy to it. Or I wasn't. Buying the scenes, the editing was too quick. They didn't give me a time to feel the emotion. I think that's one thing with editing a lot in movies now. There's not enough time to feel the emotion too. Mm -hmm. It's it's like rapid, just for the sake. Or they linger too long. Or they linger too long. And it's you know you know it's not snappy enough. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, almost like a survey you can take for yourself. Did it it, hit all these points? Or just a a fun thing and a definitely good place tool to put in your toolbox. Well, no, absolutely, definitely. I've just (laughs) taken. (laughs) <laughs> it's too good